Hello everyone, today you have Jake and I'm going to be doing another mini-sode for WandaVision, this time episode 7. Um, let's go. Alright, so for as a quick intro, things are finally happening. Uh, I was very pleased, especially coming off of uh, last week's episode or recap where I was asking for more. I basically got everything I wanted in this episode, more humor, more action more character and story development, and more Easter eggs, world building, connections with larger MCU, all that good stuff. So I'm super excited to talk about this one. Let's dive right in. So I'm actually going to spend a little more time than usual on the plot this week. Uh, and a part of that is just because uh, we get some reveals and to really discuss everything. I want to acknowledge what happens in the episode. And the other thing is for people who have seen, they might not it's a little confusing. And so I think there may be some questions about what exactly is going on. So I'm going to dive a little deeper into the plot of this week's episode. So the setting sitcom setting moves from the aughts slash nineties into the 2010s. And again, just like last week where it was like the nineties slash aughts, this season kind of feels like the aughts slash 2010. So a little bit of double dipping again, the real giveaway here is the breaking of the fourth wall, like many beloved sitcoms namely The Office and The Modern Family, which are clearly the inspirations for Vision and Wanda's respective adventures. Speaking of those adventures, you have Wanda, who's dealing with the ramific ramifications of the expansion in what I thought was a pretty humorous way, uh, treating it as if it were a drunken episode or something. And uh, her story is being told through the modern family style lens. Meanwhile, Vision and Darcy have what I thought was an incredibly fun and funny adventure uh, as he released her from Wanda's grasp and, and they're struggling to get back to Westview to confront Wanda and figure out what's going on. And theirs is done in an office style. Their, their story is told through the office style, which I thought was really worked really well. And I thought each style worked well for the actors and, and the story and what they're trying to tell this week. Okay. Now, outside of the bubble or the hex, the power trio, okay, it's not the trio, it's, a, it's the duo now because Darcy's trapped inside, but Jimmy and Monica finally meet Monica's friend or contact who can help get her to bust back through the hex. And while I'll elaborate on who that character was, it might not be as big a character as we thought or as I was alluding to last week. It certainly wasn't someone I recognized and who I'm pretty sure is new to the MCU. And I didn't recognize her from the comics, but I didn't do... I'll talk to her to the character section. Okay. Monica is able to get a rover, a space rover. She tries to ram it through the hex, but it doesn't work. And so she ends up managing to escape from it, ends up being flipped. Um, half of it turns into a, a, I think a school bus, and the other half is the rover. And she, I didn't fully understand what, what, what occurred here. So this also comes to reason why I want to talk about it to acknowledge. I'm not entirely sure. She realized that while the truck couldn't get through, she could. I'm not sure how she came to that. But she was able to get through where the truck couldn't. And we see her, she comes out on the other side with apparently with powers. And we'll dive into that a little more later. So then Monica confronts Wanda. That leads to a skirmish or a near fight in the middle of suburbia or Westview. Uh, and then Monica also demonstrates the powers of her own in that fight. They're interrupted by Agnes, who whisks Wanda's away. Uh, and shortly thereafter, we get the big reveals. Uh, Wanda is at Agatha's, and she is wondering where the boys are, because Agnes offered to watch them earlier. She doesn't hear them in the house. 
Wanda's told they're downstairs. Wanda then walks downstairs into an underground occult temple is what I'll describe it. And we see a strange glowing book, some other things set up. And we'll I'll elaborate on the book in a second. And then Agnes reveals, comes around a corner and re reveals herself to actually be Agatha Harkness. And we learn through a pretty hilarious montage called Agatha All Along, just how Agatha was pulling the strings this entire time. And with that, the episode ends. Okay, a lot happened there. I'm going to try and focus here as focus as best I can. First, I'm going to stick with the new characters or what was new to this episode. So new characters, Agent Rodriguez, Agent Rodriguez is one of Hayward's few named allies and apparently a top short sword agent. She, I'm assuming this is his new consigliere. Um, she might be minor, just keeping a new eye on her just in case. The other character, new character was Major Goodner. And that's Monica's quote unquote guy who can help get her back into the heck. She was the one who provided the rover. And we learned that, oh, also the reveal is that it's not actually a guy. Major Goodner's a woman. And clearly a friend of Monica's, another high-ranking sword commander, because she was able to actually get the rover for her. Not entirely a new character, but we get the reveal that Agnes is actually Agatha Harkness. It's official. I mentioned this before in previous recaps, so I'll keep it super quick here. In the comics, Agatha Harkness is a good witch. She serves as a nanny to Franklin Richards, who's the child of Invisible Woman and Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. She's also a nanny to or caretaker to Billy and Tommy Maximoff from the comics. And she's Mon Wanda's mentor to help her harness her powers, uh, um, her hex powers, and I guess teach her in some more occult ways. So I, th I think it's safe to say, though, in this version, she's clearly not an angel. <laughs> uh, speaking of her motivations, I, we know that she is behind everything, but now there are some other questions that are asked. So we'll get to her motiva motivations in a minute. One more note, we learned that Evan Peters Pietro apparently wasn't him, or it was looked like it was being controlled by Agnes, uh, or Agnes was controlling him more like a remote controller puppet. Not sure, maybe he comes back, but kind of understand, doesn't fully understand why he looked different, but some of, the, some of that makes sense. So a little, I'm glad we got Evan Peters back. Makes sense in the context of the show, a little bummed. Uh, I'm still kind of hoping they can bring that character back in some way. Okay, so it's weird to have a section called Clues, especially when there's a song called Agatha All Along. Uh, but with the reveal of Agnes being Agatha, we learned she was behind pretty much everything the entire time. And while it was pretty expected, I thought the execution of the reveal of Agatha being the bad guy, Ray, bad guy, was good, even if the buildup left something to be desired. I mean, really... The montage of Agatha Olong was pretty hysterical, and even the reveal she had with Wanda, it worked. I could, I kind of alluded to some suspicions I had. I'm not going to say, oh, I totally knew it, but it's not coming out of left field. I've been saying, I think, since episode one that I thought she was Agatha Harkness. While not a villain, she's clearly had some weird motivations, but I'm getting trapped here. So we know Ag Agnes is Agatha. She's been pulling the strings. It's also more clear than ever that she was trying to separate Wanda and Vision this entire time why we're not sure that's one of the mysteries and the big what i said before one mystery gives way to apparently many others uh now we know who's behind it but how is she doing the how is she controlling wanda what's her end game there's still a lot of why does she want the twins there's still a lot of uh, questions in the air 
So I'm satisfied we got one answer this week and I'm excited to learn about, well, I guess the answer to the rest of the questions. Now, I'm gonna, there are a few more clues here, so bear with me in terms of what Agatha's motivation is, how she's doing this. First, there is the commercial, uh, the Nexus. Nexus sounds pretty harmless or maybe um, simple, but it's actually a huge comic book reference and it's actually been referenced multiple times in MCU. So first, the idea or concept of a multiverse, Endgame touched on this. It was also touched on Sony's Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Far From Home also talked about this, although in that we learned it was just a cover for Quentin Beck, but it seemed the multiverse concept seemed to be accepted by everyone, including smart people like Peter Parker, as well as the scrawl imposters of Fury and Maria Hill. It gets really confusing, but the multiverse is a concept that has been explored, broached, introduced within the MCU. And the nexus is, there's something called the nexus of all realities, and that is the convergent point where all the multiverse hinges within this one nexus. Speaking of the nexus, it has been mentioned several times. On Eric Selvig's blackboard and Thor Dark World, he mentions the nexus of all realities. There's actually a ton of funny Easter eggs on that blackboard if you ever want to go look at it. And the nexus of all realities, I now keep mentioning it, it has a guardian. That guardian is the man thing. And the man thing is Marvel's version of Swamp Thing. Or Swamp Thing is Marvel's version of Man Thing. I'm actually not sure which came first, but they're both just look them up. You, you'll see what I'm talking about. The man thing has actually been referenced explicitly in Agents of Shield as a prisoner uh, at one of their high, uh, at one of their special facilities for superpowered people. At one point, you don't see him, but he's referenced, and he's also referenced in a slightly more obscure way. But again, in the theme of things, it, it works here. In the comics, Man Thing's ex-girlfriend is Ellen Brandt. She betrays him and is actually ends up being scarred by him during an encounter after his transformation. She betrays him, I, I believe, to, to, to join her dad, who is a villain, but she becomes a villain and is scarred in a later encounter with him. And she, her name is Ellen Brandt. That sounds familiar to anyone. Ellen Brandt was one of the extremist agents, namely the one who tracked Tony down to that Nashville town, or excuse me, the Tennessee town with Savin Savin was the guy, Ellen Brandt was the female, and she was the one who Tony fought in that town. And she, the big thing there is not only does the name connect, but she has the same scar or similar scar on her face that the character had in the comics. One last thing here. It's interesting that that character had the scar on her face even though she was able to regrow her limb for, with the extremist virus, which would lend credence to the fact that that scar might've been magic. And that's why the extremist virus couldn't cure it. Okay, a lot going on there. Oh, and one more thing, Pietro, as I mentioned, it was a different Pietro. It was the Pietro from Fox. That could be a subtle reference to the fact that Agatha used the Nexus or went into the Nexus and pulled the wrong Pietro out from the wrong multiverse uh, in order to help trick Wanda. So that could be kind of what's going on there. And last thing, the Nexus could be what she's actually going after or, or what the end game is here for uh, Agatha. Okay, that was really deep, going to the, next, the Nexus there in the commercial, but I, I think that's important. Uh, the Nexus has been referenced as in multiple times with TV shows, multiple movies. It's, if it's not the big thing here, it, it's definitely gonna be something that they'll keep coming back to. Okay. 
the glowing book. It has a name for anyone who wasn't aware of what that book, why it was glowing or what it was or how it could give Agatha power to dominate the world. I mean, excuse me, Wanda envisioned the world. Allow me to explain. Totally understand. It's very obscure, but that glowing book is called the dark hold. The dark hold comes from the comics and it's the most powerful grimoire from the MCU or from the comics. And it grants its holders vast powers for people who aren't aware grimoires are books or collections of magical spells and the so it's a it's a spell book but this dark hole can be the, the dark hole is slightly different than an average grimoire i'll elaborate in a second um to talk about the dark hole in the comics to hold a page or even a single spell from the book can make someone incredibly dangerous to possess the entire book is the type of threat in the comics that leads to massive team-ups of the superhero teams uh, in order for them to deal with it. And it's also not uncommon. Uh, you don't need to be Thanos to use it. You don't need to be Thor to use it. An average person can use it with, to, with devastating effects. And also just to clarify, as I said, the Darkhold exists in the MCU. It's been established as it's been established in the outer reaches of the shows. It featured heaven prominently in season four, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It was a MacGuffin that was chased after by several baddies uh, before S.H.I.E.L.D. was able to tuck it away. It also appeared in Runaways season three when the Runaways encountered Morgan Le Fay and she wanted to use the Darkhold to her own ends. One last thing here with the Darkhold. Oh, so so the Darkhold, there's a lot going on with it. I'll, I'll elaborate on it. A couple of things that are going on in what's going on there in a minute. But before I move on, as I said, it's, it's this powerful spell book. It can be seen as something more, it's considered somewhat magical. Like it's not a set thing of spells. It will show you what you need to accomplish your goals. Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself, but the one last thing about the dark hold, it's a little, a, a little opaque or maybe ubiquitous is a better word it's connected with a lot of different dark gods and demons and powers from the comics mainly kathan or is an elder god but there's also connections to mephisto and lilith um, so where i'm going to going with this is agnes has the dark hold but there could still be another big bad behind agatha and one last thing the dark hold also has a corrupting influence and almost like the ring of power from golem like it can have a, its own agenda. So it may be doing, it may be controlling Agatha, controlling Wanda, or someone may be using the Darkhold to control Agatha, to control Wanda, much like the same way Thanos used the Infinity Stones to create Ultron, to create a threat for the humans. It's It, it gets, I'm, I'm losing myself here in all these rabbit holes, but the Darkhold, it, it answers a question. Um, it's a powerful tool. Um, and that's what it was. And I'm, I'm going to elaborate more in my recap. Okay. This is good. This is going on a bit longer than I wanted. So I'll try and be brief here. As I mentioned earlier, I had a lot of wants and asks at the end of episode six. And I'm eating my words before the, I was eating my words before episode seven was even up. I felt the humor just worked a lot better in this episode. I don't know if it's better because the style, the style of humor is more topical, relevant given the proximity of those sitcoms or if that style just better suits the actors and directors, but whatever the case was, I thought it worked. There's, there's more action, uh, both real action in terms of Monica's trying to re-enter the breach and her skirmish with Wanda. 
as well as plot action or storytelling action development. We learn Agnes, has, Agnes is actually Agatha Harkness, and you may call it a confirmation, but whatever. We get we learn who she is. We learn she's the real villain. We learn she's been pulling Wanda strings the whole time, and she's been doing it through the use of the Darkhold. I'm not gonna lie, I don't. I didn't expect many people to know what the Darkhold is. In fact, I wouldn't expect many comic book fans to know what it is. But I'm kicking myself for not expecting this or suspecting something sooner. I didn't. It never occurred to me, and this is what makes it really worse for me, is I've read a whole series about the Darkhold in the last six months, seven months. And what's even more annoying is recently, I was, as of last week, I went back and actually reread a couple of the pages and some of the fights that I liked from that same series. So I was reading about it last week, couldn't put it together. I mentioned it before, the Darkhold is a grimoire, to use a better pop culture reference, it's the MCU's version of the Necromonicon from the Evil Dead series. It is a powerful weapon from the comics. I knew it existed. I knew it was floating around somewhere in this universe. I should have been, I should have picked up on this. It was one of the few weapons outside of Eitri the Dwarf's arsenal or infinity stone or out of one of dr strange's totems that's powerful enough to do these type of things and even more so than one of strange's totems or Etri's weapons the Darkhold has reality warping powers that clearly should have i should have picked up quickly i'm kicking myself for not putting it together quickly the Darkhold is one of the few weapons that could give someone, even an average person, the power to become a threat, an Avengers level threat. So it's time to wrap this up. Quickly to address the Agatha Harkness reveal one last time. I thought the actual reveal was great. I think the buildup was overdrawn. But for me, the reveal and the addition of the Darkhold adds another dimension that to me just works much better, and it kind of saves it. It saves the, the I don't want to say the show, but it saves the episode for me And at least, oh, I was surprised to see the Darkhold there. So I wasn't blown away by the Agatha Harkness reveal in terms of I wasn't surprised. I like how they executed it. But for me, the finding out that she was using the Darkhold scratched that itch. And as I said before, I was... I just had to tip my cap uh, to Faggy and his team. I just love that they're continuing to world build. And what I loved about this, including the Darkhold, was it was for the first time I can remember, the first time in a long time, it was the larger MCU referencing the smaller guys or the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show and not the other way around. And I like that. I thought it was cool. And for those who don't know, there was serious tension between the TV and movie arms of Marvel prior to Endgame. Uh, and initially, some of the TV characters were going to apparently pop up in Endgame and Infinity War. There were maybe talks that some of those characters actually would get their own movies at some point. And it was initially pitched that it would there would be a lot more back and flow forth between the TV shows and the movies. And for we'll go into all the reasons on separate podcasts, but it just didn't come down that way. And so what's really happened, Feige now has control over Marvel movies and TV, which wasn't the case before. And that's one of the reasons why they've wound down a lot of those other shows, such as the Netflix series, The Runaways, Cloak and Dagger, Hellstrom, although Hellstrom actually just sucked. I'm sorry. It was really bad. 
but the rest were actually shut down and I, more so so that they could be brought in house. And normally the deal is once these shows end, it's a two to three year deal with, like for example, Netflix, Marvel couldn't use any of the characters for two years. So I think that's why Kevin Feige is shutting them down now. So we can bring the characters he likes, he can bring back. And they've already talked about bringing Charlie Cox back, who was Daredevil and Spider-Man 3. But I'm going to stop now. I've already gone on too long because that's another rabbit hole. Shutting it down. Just going to end it with, I think this is probably the second or third best episode of the season, which is good. It is moving in the right direction. But I really hope the next two episodes push this ranking for this episode down. And by that, I mean, I hope they're so good that it makes this episode put, makes me forget about liking this episode. That's weird. Didn't come out right, but we're in the starting the final lap of the season final third or circuit. I like how they started it. Um, really interested to see where they take it from here. More importantly, how Agnes and the dark hold figure into the larger picture and one last thing, still holding out hope. I'm going to say hope. I still think there's a possibility that there's another big bad, like a Mephesto or a Nightmare, maybe even a Lilith that we don't know about who's lurking and who, is, who Agnes or Agatha is serving. Okay. Too long, too much. Thank you for your time. Have a great one. And I will talk to you next week.